Hello and welcome back into the Duke Wisdom Podcast. Thanks for joining me back again here uh, this Thursday morning. So today I think I'm going to talk about just a little bit of ACC predictions, ACC breakdown. I'm going to do a much more in-depth ACC breakdown later on in the season, probably more in the October area, maybe even September. But I want to talk about the potential for being on like award watch lists, winning awards for the Duke guys, where Duke fits in, what everybody else is bringing back, who to look out for, that kind of thing. Um, I think I want to start by breaking down uh, John Rothstein's with his College Hoops Today website, breaking down his his preseason rankings for the ACC, because I think that they're pretty interesting. So he has Duke first, which really doesn't come as much of a surprise. The Blue Devils rank number two on ESPN's way too early top 25. They're projected as a number one seed on Joe Luinardi's bracketology, which was updated about a week ago. Projected starting five from for Rothstein for Duke is Proctor, Roach, Mitchell, Filipowski, and Young. I think he actually changed this. I think he had Jared McCain in the starting lineup, and he has since changed it to Ryan Young. Maybe proof that he listens to my podcast. <laughs> Definitely not. But um, funny that, that it kind of coincided. And then off the bench, Blake's power, Foster Shoot, Stuart McCain. Uh, no, no surprise that Duke is first here. I'll go down the lineup. Number two, Miami. Uh, with a projected starting lineup of they're bringing back Nigel Pack, who averaged 13.7 points per game last season. Bensley Joseph, Wuga Poplar, who was really, really big time off the bench uh, for that final four team for Miami last year. Then they got Matthew Cleveland, who averaged 13 points for Florida State last year, actually hit a game winner against Miami and has joined the dark side. So a crazy thing. I mean, that is wild to me that he picked Miami. When I heard that Matthew Cleveland was transferring, I never in my imagination would have thought that that he'd pick Miami, that his rival school plus team that he hit a game winner on is just wild. But he's a huge addition for Jim Laranega and Miami. Losing Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller isn't easy to replace, and they're definitely not one-for-one one replacing either of them, even with Matthew Cleveland. But it, it's, a, it's a step in the right direction. And then you've got Norchad O'Meara back, uh, third team All-ACC, 13 points, 10 rebounds a game. Going to be one of the best rebounders and one of the best big men in the conference yet again this year. And third, he has North Carolina with R.J. Davis, Elliot Cadeau, Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, and Armando Baycott starting. I think that's probably the correct starting five. Cadeau is he's actually the highest ranked recruit uh, by 24-7 sports. Coming into the ACC next season, he's ranked 11th. I think he's, I mean, just over Jared McCain. But he did lead his uh, school to the Geico National Championship, and he broke the uh, assist record for that three-game tournament. Cadeau uh, came in on, like, seventh on the Ringers' big board, which is kind of wild, especially for a 6'1 guard to come in that high. And he's, you know, a lot of NBA scouts really like Cadeau and think that he and R.J. Davis will be a really interesting and very fast, very fast backcourt at North Carolina. That is a, that is outside of Duke, probably the scariest court in the ACC, but also a really short one. I'm going to talk about this matchup here. I realized that I didn't talk about how Duke matches up with Miami, but I'm going to talk about how, how Duke matches up with Carolina. You've got, on all likelihood, Duke's going to be putting up Roach and Proctor again in the starting five. McCain could be there as well, but we'll see about that. Looking at their matchup with Davis and Cadeau, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's they're going to outscore them they're on face value, just player-wise. I think what Duke holds as an advantage is just pure size in the backcourt. Cadeau and Davis are 
six foot and six foot one, respectively. Um, Jeremy Roach isn't much taller than that, but Tyrese Proctor, that's where Duke has the advantage. And even off the bench, Caleb Foster, also six five. He and Proctor are six foot five. Even McCain has a decent little size advantage over both of these guards, especially bulk wise. Duke has a size advantage in the backcourt that I think if they can if they can attack that, that it could be a really big advantage over North Carolina. And, you know, on the wings, Cormac Ryan, he's a shooter, man. Duke's had problems with Cormac Ryan in the past. He's not leaving the ACC. He's actually probably going to get more annoying for Duke fans um, because now he's a Tar Heel. Duke will probably be putting up like Mitchell or Power or McCain against Ryan. In any instance, I think that's a, a decent matchup for the Blue Devils. Harrison Ingram is an interesting one from Stanford. Uh, he'll probably match up with Mitchell or, I mean, maybe Filipowski if Young's in the game, but probably Mitchell or Stewart. And I think Ingram's a, a very versatile player, and he's going to require a very versatile defender on him. And I think having Mark Mitchell on him would be pretty good. And then at the five, Armando Baycott. If Kyle Filipowski's guarding Armando Baycott, I don't necessarily think Baycott's going to work or anything. Not having a shot blocker like Lively or Williams will make Baycott's life extraordinarily more easy when playing against Duke. However, Kyle Filipowski's no slouch. The only issue and the concern is Filipowski fouling Baycott. Baycott draws fouls like a madman, and Duke does not want Filipowski getting in foul trouble, so it might behoove John Shire to put Sean Stewart on him some. Let Ryan Young try. Um, Baycott's not an extraordinarily mobile big. He's not going to go out and shoot some jump shots, so I, I don't think that it's a horrible mismatch with Ryan Young, honestly. I think Duke matches up pretty well with Carolina, and I think off the bench, Duke is certainly the deeper team. Carolina's bench has Seth Trimble, Jalen Washington, Zayden High, Paxson Woshik from, from Brown, Jalen Withers from Louisville, James Oconquo from West Virginia. I think the biggest name on there is Jalen Washington, and that'll be an interesting one to look. Carolina could do a, do a, a double big lineup with Washington and Baycott, which would, would be more difficult for Duke to handle, especially if Filipowski is kind of its defensive anchor as a big. That could, be, that could present some challenges for Duke. So let me go back to Miami. Uh, Duke matches up pretty well here. Nigel Pack's another one of those short guards. Another guy that is fast, is fast. So defensively is a challenge. But if you can get some mismatches with he and he and Tyrese Proctor, he and Caleb Foster, that can be a really big advantage for Duke offensively. Um, Norchad O'Meara again. We know what we're getting with Norchad O'Meara. If Kyle can physically handle Norchad O'Meara, I think I think Duke's fine here. Matthew Cleveland's a really good player, but Mark Mitchell uh, should be able to defensively handle him. Uh, Poplar on the wing shouldn't be a horrible concern either. I think, uh, I mean, he's really good. Don't get me wrong. Anything I say on here like that's liable to come back and bite me. But let's keep going down the list. Uh, Rostan has Virginia fourth. He's got Dante Harris, Reese Beekman, Isaac McNeely, Ryan Dunn, and Jordan Miner starting. Um, wow. I mean, what a, what a what a cast there after a, some losses. Um, definitely some losses for Virginia. They've now lost, they lost like, what, three of the last first rounds that they've been in? So it's been a tough stretch for Virginia. They won a national title in 2019, absolutely, yes. But outside of that, it's it's been rough since then for UVA. Not super rough. I mean, they were a 4C last year, but that was a Virginia team that I think overperformed what it should have, potentially, and then loses most of that. Loses Kihei Clark, loses Jaden Gardner. They've got Beekman back. Rothstein has Beekman, a, a projected first-team all-ICC member. That's probably just because he has 
five returning All-ACC players. Actually, I'll go over that real quick since I'm doing an aside. There are six players back from of the 15 All-ACC selections. Only one guy back from first team, Armando Baycott. Two guys back from second team, Kyle Filipowski and Blake Henson from Pittsburgh. Three guys back from third team, that's Norchad O'Meer from Miami, P.J. Hall from Clemson, and Reese Beekman from Virginia. There are also five honorable mention All-ACC guys back. That's Judah Mintz for Syracuse, Jeremy Roach, Quentin Post from Boston College, R.J. Davis, and D.J. Burns from NC State. And his first team is Baycott, Filipowski, Henson, O'Meer, and Beekman. So he just left P.J. Hall off first team of the six returners, which I disagree with. Um, you can probably count on Reese Beekman being ACC Defensive Player of the Year again. Everybody loves Reese Beekman. I mean, the, the <laughs> there were calls a couple of years ago for Reese Beekman to beat Mark Williams for Defensive Player of the Year. And there were Virginia fans claiming that he was one of the best defenders in ACC history then. There's always that one guy for Virginia that, because of the system, is going to just flourish in that vote. I'd put good money down on Reese Beekman winning Defensive Player of the Year again, whether Virginia is good or not, honestly. Um, I don't know about Virginia, man. I think because the ACC is so weak this year that Virginia might benefit from that and might be able to just beat beat the weaker opponents and stay in a tournament projection because this team on face should not be a tournament team. Absolutely should not make the tournament. But I think because of how weak the ACC is, and I'm going to get into how weak the ACC might, might be this year, it feels like it at least. I hope that's wrong, and I hope some teams really overperform projections. But like in bracketology, Duke's a one seed. Carolina is a four seed. Lenardi has Miami a nine seed, which is which is kind of wild. I'm not going to lie. Duke is ranked second in the way to early top 25, so that aligns with a one seed. Carolina 15th aligns with a four seed. Miami's 18th in the way to early top 25, so I, I don't know why Lenardi hates Miami this year, but he does apparently. And then Clemson, he has his last four buys as a 10 seed, and then he has Virginia last four in as an 11. And seeing Virginia in the last four in is weird. It's weird, but it's fitting for this team. Really, the only reason I think they're even there is because it's Virginia. You know, they really don't have any business being there personnel-wise, but it's Virginia. It's Tony Bennett. Give them benefit of the doubt. They'll probably still end up with a five seed somehow. And I already mentioned Clemson. They're fifth on Ross Stein's list. Starting five projected Chase Hunter. He's back. Uh, Joe Girard transferred from Syracuse. Can't get rid of him. Jack Clark transferred from NC State. Ian Shefflin. And then PJ Hall, who's uh, back third team all ACC player last year. I like this Clemson team. They lost Hunter Tyson, but I always thought PJ Hall was probably the better player anyway. That might be a controversial take. Probably is. But I think PJ Hall's a really good player. I think having Chase Hunter backs really good. And I think they added two really solid transfers and really solid with Joe Girard and very solid with Jack Clark as well. I think this this is a team that should make the tournament. I think this is probably the fourth best team in the ACC. I'm definitely going to give them the upper hand on UVA. And this is where my preseason ACC for this episode, I'm going to make the full 15 list later on a month or two from now. I will have a full 15 team standing list. Right now, I've got Duke 1, Miami 2, Carolina 3, Clemson 4, Virginia 5. I know that's not going to change. It even pains me to have Virginia as high as 5 because... I don't think Virginia has the skill to be fifth, but they're Virginia, so they'll be there. Uh, I think Clemson is better. I think Virginia can clearly jump them just because of coaching. Once you drop from five, there's a pretty big drop. There's a pretty big drop in quality. Want to join a community of Duke accounts publishing news, theories, and predictions on Duke athletics? Join the Duke Wisdom Network. Just go to dukewisdom.org slash join network today 
and fill out the form with your name and social media. Or you can DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Become a part of the community of Duke fans publishing their takes today. Again, that's dukewisdom.org slash join network or DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Go to six. Rothstein has Virginia Tech. Uh, Paduya's back. Arcatour's back. I know Duke fans are writhing at the, the thought of that. Uh, so shooting back for Virginia Tech, but they lose mutts. So their inside presence really isn't great. And it's because of that that I'm like, how far can guys that shoot threes take you? You can only win if you shoot in the 40s from three on the game. If you shoot, you dip below that, they, Virginia Tech will lose most likely. Every game they dip below that. Or most games they dip below that against quality opponents at least. At 70 as NC State, I like what some of what NC State's brought back. DJ Burns is terrific. Ryan Young talked a lot about how DJ Burns is like his favorite player to play against. He's just so skilled. Like he doesn't even have to move. His footwork's incredible. His touch is incredible. DJ Burns is a really solid player. And I think DJ Burns is probably a pretty good bet to be an all ACC player this year. You also bring back Casey Morsell, who's really good. He's probably one of their top four scorers last season. They lost to Quavion Smith. They lost Jarkel Joyner. Uh, they didn't one-for-one one make up for that at all. But they got DJ Horn from Arizona State. They got Jane Taylor from Butler. He led Butler in scoring last season. And they got MJ Rice from Kansas. So I think that there's a lot of transfer additions for NC State. Kevin Keats is definitely just living in the portal. And I think that State could have a shot at another tournament appearance. It's difficult for me to say that they'll make it. And that's because they were only an 11 seed last year with Smith and Joyner. They lose them. The ACC is just, there aren't many quality wins. State's going to have to take wins off Duke, Carolina, Miami. They're going to have to get wins there, and they're going to have to avoid losing to the bottom third, like, if they can at all. So if they can do that, they've got a shot at making another tournament appearance. Outside of that top five, I'm not sure how many teams really have a chance. I think NC State might have the best chance of any other team. Can't rule Virginia Tech out, though, I suppose. At 80 has Florida State, which I don't really agree with Florida State being this high. It's Leonard Hamilton, yeah, but Florida State is... But they have drastically underperformed the last two seasons, and I have no reason to really believe they're not going to again. They lost their best player in Matthew Cleveland. They didn't really gain anything crazy. And so to me, I think Florida State might be a little high here. It's Florida State. Benefit of the doubt in coaching and preseason standings, they're always going to be, even if they're not great, they're going to be a little higher than they end the season, potentially. But you just never know. Pitt lost Jamarius Burton, their first team All-ACC selection, but they bring back a second team All-ACC selection, Blake Henson. They also bring back Federico Federico. Johnson back. They've got the uh, Diaz-Graham uh, twins back as well. So Pitt's got a lot back from a tournament team. How confident am I that Pitt can run it back? I really don't know. I'm not all that confident, honestly. I'm not really sure how confident I am. I mean, they lost a lot. They lost Nellie Cummings as well. They lost Sabandi as well. A, bit, a lot of big losses for Pitt, and I, I don't really know how confident I am that they could run back a tournament appearance. But Jeff Capel really did save his job last season. Syracuse is 10th. No Jim Beheim this year, but Judah Mintz is back. And they got J.J. Starling in the portal, plus Benny Williams is back as well. They lost Gerard. They lost Edwards. But honestly, Syracuse has probably a, a solid amount of tools t- to make some noise. Nothing crazy. Wouldn't expect them to be a tournament team. I mean, it's not going to not super surprising. Honestly, has some pretty good players. Judah Mintz is an all-ACC candidate, without a doubt. Starling could be as well. He was first team all freshman last season. 
Then at 11, he has Louisville. That's <laughs> That'll probably be lower in his next updated list because Trenton Flowers just decided to go pro. Number 30 overall player in the class of 23, just up and left. So Louisville, who keeps just keeps taking setbacks recently, takes yet another one. Now they bring in Dennis Evans, who's the number 24 player in the class, which is really good. Seven foot one center. And that's really solid. They got Sky Clark as well. Mike James. But I, I just... The, they're part of the bottom third of the conference. And the bottom third of the conference is really bad. It's really bad. And a loss to a bottom third team, especially if you're Duke, a loss to a bottom third team is something you really want to avoid. Because if Duke's in pursuit of a number one seed, a loss like that could really weigh him down. At number 12, he has Wake Forest. I disagree with that. I think Wake Forest should be higher. I don't know where I'm going to put him, but they should be higher. They brought in Hunter Salas, who's a former really highly rated recruit who played at Gonzaga. And Hunter Salas is a really scary thing, really scary sight. They've also got Andrew Carr back, Cam Heldreth back. This could be a really solid Wake Forest team. It's a little top-heavy, but I think it's really good. And I think Hunter Salas is hes going to be that Wake Forest transfer that makes a lot of noise. It was Alondis Williams in 22. It was Tyree Appleby last season. I think it's Hunter Salas this year. There will be another guard who makes a lot of noise from the transfer portal and Winston-Salem, and I think it's Hunter Salas. He's got Georgia Tech at 13. He's got Boston College at 14. Boston College brings back Quentin Post, a honorable mention for all ACC. And he's got Notre Dame, who is now without Mike Bray, dead last in 15, which is probably correct. Those bottom three are also part of the bottom third. Don't lose to them at all costs. Absolutely never lose to Notre Dame, Boston College, Georgia Tech, or Louisville. For sure. And avoid Wake Forest as well, probably. But that's what he's got. And... I'm not sure exactly how I would rank these guys, but I do think where Duke fits in is 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 well. If they can avoid losing to that bottom third and probably, you know, just duke it out and take as many wins from Miami as and Carolina as possible because those are going to be your quad one opportunities taking out those two teams. If Duke can do that and they can really bring home at least 3 out of the 4 quad one non-conference games, Duke can be looking at a one seed. They really they but they cannot lose to those bottom dwellers. It's an unfortunate fact that, again, this year in the ACC, there will be a perception, honestly, a bit of a reality of a lot of bottom dwellers that you can't lose to, and beating them really doesn't do anything for your resume at all. And that's unfortunate. That really is unfortunate. I do want to talk about award outlook. I talked about that at the beginning. So Baycott's probably right there for ACC Player of the Year. I have to imagine, in his third stab at it, if Carolina is even in the top three in the conference, if Carolina is even remotely in in the top 25 by the end of the season. Armando Baycott's got a really good shot at being the ACC player of the year. I think Kyle Filipowski will win if Duke is a one seed. If Duke's a one seed in the NCAA tournament, if they're that good, Kyle's probably going to be the player of the year. But there's But there's a lot of people, a lot of guys on Duke's team. There's a lot of offense on Duke's team. Carolina, not quite as much. You know, you've got Washington who probably will take a jump. I wouldn't expect a crazy amount of scoring from Ryan or Ingram. Nothing much, much, much higher than they had at Notre Dame and Stanford. Davis will get his buckets. Uh, Cadeau's going to get a lot of assist. He'll get some buckets. But Baycott's going to have a lot of opportunity to score. Filipowski's sharing the points with Proctor, with Mitchell, with Roach, with McCain, with Foster. There's a lot of wealth to go around in Durham. And so it'll be difficult for Filipowski to put up the numbers necessary to beat Baycott. And I think that's the biggest concern. 
I don't think Blake Henson's much of an ACC player of the year threat, largely because I don't think Pitt's going to be good enough. Norchad O'Meara could make some noise. He probably will make a little bit of noise. He and Nigel Pack both will probably make some noise. I don't think Miami repeats with the player of the year. I think really the only reason Wong won last year is because Miami was the best team and there really wasn't a guy who was a front runner in Carolina. It was just too bad for Baycott to win. Reese Beekman, Virginia won't be good enough probably. Also, Reese Beekman, I don't think Reese Beekman can score enough. I might eat my words on that, but P.J. Hall. P.J. Hall is an interesting candidate. I think he might be one of the better ones, honestly. Judah Mintz, maybe. I don't think Syracuse will be good enough for it, though. D.J. Burns is an interesting uh, question as well. He'd have to put up some really big numbers, which I'm not going to say he can't do, but uh, I would say that it's Baycott versus Filipowski, most likely. Norchad Amir, Nigel Pack, P.J. Hall. They'll make some noise. I'm throwing in Hunter Salas as an outside candidate. That one could really bite me in the butt. But I'm going to throw it in there. Of course, Kyle's up there for player of the year. Uh, he should be a first-team All-ACC player by the end of the year. Proctor should be vying for a first-team selection, but at least somewhere in the second or third-team range. Jeremy Roach should probably be vying for, for a third-team slot or maybe even a second-team slot if he really puts the, the ball in the bucket. But Mark Mitchell could be uh, an All-ACC candidate as well. I think Mark Mitchell should be an All-Defensive candidate in the ACC. Uh, all four freshmen should be on the lookout for the all-freshman team. Duke should land probably at least two guys on that. Six-man of the year is something Duke should really look at. Duke has never had an ACC six-man of the year. And with potentially McCain off the bench, but probably at least like Foster and Stewart, Duke really probably should take home ACC six-man of the year this year. If one of those guys stands out especially, I think that Duke will probably break that curse this year, has a really good chance to break that curse at least. Most improved player, look out for Tyrese Proctor there. Look out for Mark Mitchell there. And then coach of the year. You know, Duke's the runaway number one. Let's stop giving it the most improved and start giving it to the best job. And maybe John Shire can can make a stab at his first ACC coach of the year. I think that he maybe should have got a little more love last season. But that's my that's my just overall branch kind of quick rundown for ACC projections and just talking about what everybody has, where Duke stands, where everybody should stand. Nothing crazy in depth for this this episode. I'll go way more in depth and I'll have my full all ACC teams and award projections uh, come around the ACC tip-off time and full standings and stuff like that. But I just kind of wanted to do a rundown because there's something I was thinking about. As always, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe, follow, share the pod. Thanks so much, everybody.